it's Emma, and I just licked my contact instead of using contact solution because my contact felt awful, and desperate times call for desperate measures. Desperate times call for gross measures. Hi, I'm Julie, and I have never wanted to be a family vlogger. As much as I really relish being a subpar mom, I don't want to take it that far. necessary a couple years ago when i was pregnant with mateo i was like really into the like hashtag like ig motherhood like instagram like mom community and like but then it's like you have to kind of market yourself and your life and your family as a product and that's kind of not my vibe yeah and it it becomes the type of thing where like perfection is what you're looking for you're looking for the instagram moments you're looking for things to look polished so that you look Mm -hmm. like the expert in your field and mm-hmm. there, there's room for that in other fields, but as it pertains to like family life, there really is no room for perfection. It's true. I mean, there is that new trend though of like being imperfect and just like I have stretch marks and belly hang and my kids like bother me. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing that's happening. I don't know. I haven't seen as much of that as I have the like five-year-olds dress like 30-year-olds. Right, like, or like Amish people, they like put bonnets on everyone and like weird lederhosen and whatever. Have you what? seen that? No, I it's haven't like seen that. Thing. It's like an Instagram thing where it's like a mom that has like, you know, four kids and like all of their photos are edited like in a way where it's like almost like sepia, but like also like pink or I don't know how to explain it. I'll have to send you some accounts, but I posted yeah. about it once on, on my own story, just like what the fuck with all these moms and they're like Amish kids. <laughs> and like, I'd say like 50% of people knew and 50% didn't. I've only seen the like super polished, like ultra white balanced or visco kind of family photos. <laughs> I've never seen anything that reminds me of like Amish families using Instagram. <laughs> you're, you're missing out because it's like so weird. That's the, the family vlog trend that I really am here for when I find it. <laughs> I was like, bitch, we know you're not at home churning butter. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I want to watch. I just want to watch someone trying to churn butter for like 45 minutes in one of those big things. (laughs) We're all hungry, hurry. No, I actually don't mind like when people put their kids on camera. If it's like, especially daily vlogging, I think is super fucking toxic and weird. Mm -hmm. It's gross that kids, A, they don't have a choice in the matter. B, even if they say that they're okay with it, they can't really consent to any of that shit. They don't know what they're getting into and they don't know yeah. what the comments are. Mm-hmm. And there's no real way to protect their their privacy. Like even if you're not filming all their meltdowns and you're not like, you know, portraying them as awful children, that still people think that they know you mm-hmm. based on your videos. The one thing that I do kind of envy of the people who do daily vlogs is that they have records of their children throughout Mm -hmm. every single stage yeah I think like that level of recording is really valuable but also you have to wonder how much they're actually experiencing because Mm -hmm. as as we'll see in this podcast episode the camera changes you Mm -hmm. like psychologically you change whether you know it or not when someone Mm -hmm. is watching you and specifically when a camera is on you and you know that it's for entertainment Mm -hmm. my god I know that it changes me I get so weird like right now I'm like being weird because I know <laughs> and I feel like I don't have on enough makeup you're like act natural <laughs> act natural stop looking at your eyebrows in the cam in the camera <laughs> you have eyebrows though I, I have to draw on eyebrows so that I can have expressions <laughs> it's important to me <laughs> to have expressions when I'm speaking I, I feel you I recently regained mine thanks to quarantine and I know my fucking forehead. Oh my god! I've I've been telling everybody I have earned my Botox and filler at the end of all of this because I feel like so drawn and gross. Like I know I don't look at because I have like lighting, but in regular lighting, no, not a good scene on the face. <laughs> well, right now you look perfect. Got a well, little. thank like, you. Got a little. I highlight. set up the lights to like kind of go under here a little bit so that I didn't look like everything was pulling down, which is kind of what's happening. <laughs> Just like so much frowning. Stop. 
<laughs> Have you ever heard of the uh, the documentary series called American Family? It's in mm-hmm. 1973. And it, it is the first reality television series as we know it today. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. So before that, reality was primarily like game shows and you know just like dating dating shows and stuff totally. like that. Netflix like put a whole bunch of old reality shows on recently like uh, Supermarket Sweep. Yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> my oh like stoned my ass put it on the other night. <laughs> Go shopping, guys. <laughs> That's totally worth like $19. She should get three of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so stupid. It's like the weirdest nerdery I've ever seen, where you just know the price of everything in a supermarket. Right? What a fucking weird concept. <laughs> or like the the idea of like, uh, what was the one where you guess the price of things? The price is right. Price is right. Oh my yeah. god, I'm an idiot. That's like a so, big one. <laughs> yeah, it's in the name. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Yeah, just just knowing the price of like a fucking Ford Fiesta. Right? <laughs> like why? Why? It's important important knowledge. Those kinds of shows I actually love as game shows cuz I'm like this is where someone who is an ultra nerd about one very specific thing can they really shine, win. <laughs> they can shine. Uh-huh. Like I'm not going to win at Jeopardy. I'm just not going to. My brain doesn't retain that much like useful information about history and social culture commentary, that kind of stuff. But if I can name as many sharks as I can in five minutes, I'm there. I got you. (laughs) You want me to start with prehistoric or do you want me to work backwards? (laughs) I got it. (laughs) Oh, okay. We were talking about an American family. Craig Gilbert wanted to produce a series kind of based on the Margaret Mead series of documentaries on like tribal cultures. But he wanted to do it on American culture and specifically an American family. He wanted to follow an American family for a period of time and release episodes about their life, which is pretty fucking cool. It's a fascinating idea. Mm-hmm. So he filmed, well, not he specifically, but like his production team filmed about 300 hours wow. of footage. It was pretty soon into that 300 hours that they were like we got to push for a little bit more because this is fucking boring (laughs) like we're we're not getting anything to work with nobody wants to watch like three hours of someone brushing their teeth and then like putting on makeup (laughs) (laughs) look at the way they brush their teeth that's different than the way Mm. i do it so they chose this family and i think the family name is awesome they're called the louds parents bill and pat and children lance kevin grant delilah and michelle my God, it's a lot of that is a lot way of more children. children than I could ever handle at one time in my mm-hmm. home. <laughs> it's too many. Yeah, it, it is for too many. <laughs> <laughs> Their family is pretty normal by today's standards. There were kind of more conservative values in the 70s. So back then, this family was like bonkers, like what, out of what did they field. do? Bill Loud was a successful construction guy. However, he was a notorious philanderer, Mm. and that was exposed on the series. And Pat, the mom, was a, she was a feminist, which, you know, in the 70s, that was kind of becoming a little bit more prominent, but it was still Mm -hmm. like, feminist, gross. (laughs) You just want women to never have babies. Our societies are going to crumble. And then Lance, their oldest child, lived in New York and was a very out gay man. He never specifically said it, but it was very clear that he was gay. Yeah. And he didn't bother to try to hide it. (laughs) So this basically threw people into a fucking panic when they watched it. And it made for really great television. There was a lot of drama already inherent in that situation. Mm-hmm. But it became pretty obvious that to create a series that was going to be interesting to watch for any length of time, they were going to have to push a little bit more. And mm-hmm. it also became obvious that the camera in their everyday life was starting to impact the way that they related to each other and the way that they behaved. So this was like the first instance that we got of cameras like really changing people and changing behavior. Yeah. And the fact that production teams really do impact what they're filming. Yeah. So you, you can't be like a completely impartial bystander. It's not going to happen, especially when you're filming someone 
for hours every single day. Mm-hmm. They like kind of become your friends. Yeah, they become your friends. They, I mean, they slowly start to push for their own like agendas. And there's something about the drama of having a lens on you that magnifies any issues that you were already having. Yeah. Because they're suddenly very public and you're very aware of it. They figured this out very quickly. They figured out that they needed to push people to behave a little bit more dramatically. Specifically, Craig was guilty of meddling. And who was Craig again? Craig was the original producer, the person who had the idea and took it to PBS or WNET. He initially was like, yeah, it's just going to be like an out and out documentary. Like, we're not going to meddle. We're just going to do our own thing. And PBS was like, we got to stop this. Like, we've wasted so much money. We have a production crew out there and we're watching them have dinner. Nobody wants to see this shit. So he started like getting a little bit more of a a desire to make good television. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I'm not entirely sure that he had bad intentions. I don't think he did. Mm -hmm. I think his intentions were to create something that was interesting, that would kind of push the dialogue about American family values a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think he really wanted it to be good. And he let his judgment kind of get clouded. But this is where all of the techniques that we see now kind of began, because there is really no way to film a family for hours and hours every day without directly impacting them. Yeah. So the release of it was huge. Excuse me. You're Jesus, boring Jesus, am I boring? <laughs> I'm sorry. I need oxygen. God. <laughs> You're so boring. I have to breathe. The release of it was actually really fascinating because they uh, they went out of their way to play up the dramatic elements of it. And the photo that they used to, um, in, like in their press materials, it showed them in their living room all wearing like matching conservative out. It kind of showed a juxtaposition from what they really were in real life mm-hmm. and the image that they put out to everyone else. So it was just brilliant marketing. Yeah. They also played up the divorce because Bill was a philanderer Mm -hmm. and Craig kind of slowly over time pushed Pat to divorce him because gosh, yeah. And Bill actually like really got into filming in in a big way. And I think he was kind of pushed to be a little bit bigger and bolder than he would have been otherwise. So he was like very outwardly cheating on his wife. Like on the show? Yeah, and not even trying to hide it. He just didn't try to hide it at all anymore. That's Uh, terrible. One of the things that they also did was they would only film him when he had a drink in his hand. So he looked like he was an alcoholic. Wow. How are they only filming him when he had a drink in his hand, though? Like, he must have been drinking a lot. The issue was they would film at certain times of day because they wanted more people in one spot. And Mm. they wanted to film, like, the family together. And that would probably be in the evening. Well, in the evening, you're probably, after a long day of work, after you Mm -hmm. shower, you're probably going to have a drink. Yeah. So they would wait for him to have a drink and show him drinking. So they made it look like he had an alcohol addiction problem on top of already being a shitbag for cheating (laughs) on his wife. So they only did 12 episodes, and that was all one season. They actually started the series outwardly saying they're going to get a divorce by the end, which is also fucking brilliant because you wonder, what the fuck happened yeah so they announced it at the beginning yeah and then you have to get all the way to episode 12 to see how it unfurls in their publicity materials they went out of their way to talk about lance because like i said he was very out really had ever happened he was the first brazenly gay man on television ever That's in awesome. a recurring in a recurring series he's fucking awesome Yeah, people critics were all over the map on this. Margaret Mead, actually, like the cultural anthropologist that I told you did a series on tribal cultures. Yeah, she said an American family may be as important for our time as were the invention of drama and the novel for earlier generations, a new way to help people understand themselves. Wow. So it was both panned and celebrated. People were like, this is garbage TV. Like, we fucking hate this. It's not real life. And then they were (laughs) like, holy shit, we've never seen anything like this. This is incredible. I can't believe you did this. I still feel that way about reality TV. I had never heard of an American family before this. Did you watch the whole series? 
I did not watch the whole series. I watched like bits and pieces because I was like, yeah. ugh, 12 I mean, hours. A, yeah, 12 hours is a lot. Like it's interesting, but I don't want to watch that. I have a hard time watching any reality television. So for American Family, people like both panned it and celebrated it. And like a lot of people really got fucking mean. And you have to remember, like this was all filmed completely before it was released. Mm-hmm. So people are now seeing things that happened nine months ago mm-hmm. and re- responding to it as though it just happened today. It was cruel, the amount of abuse that they got. They were awful about Lance. One critic called him an emotional dwarf and an evil flower, suggesting that he was like tricking people, essentially. Into what? Into the gay lifestyle. One person said Delilah was just empty. And how old was she? she Like nine or something? She's like 16. Oh. You're not going to express every fucking thought that you have. They were like, you know, she doesn't think about migrant workers and blah, blah, blah. She's just living her life and she's empty. What the fuck, That's like what teenagers are supposed to do. Yeah. There was... (laughs) Absolutely no consideration to the fact that these were real humans. Mm-hmm. Well, and same shit today, too. This is the exact same shit today. But that's the first time people were able to see the impact mm-hmm. that this kind of media has on people. Yeah. Pat and Bill did get divorced, but because Lance died of HIV AIDS complications oh, in I think the early 90s. Yeah, it's really, really sad. So he died in the early 90s and his wish on his deathbed was for his parents to get back together so they got back together and and lived together what that's wild it makes sense like my grandparents divorced for a really long time fucking hated each other and then got back together at the end before my grandmother died wow i think at a certain point you're just like well we were stupid kids yeah i'm just like i don't want to be alone yeah like now i know who i'm working with (laughs) and i know my shit because i've gotten real fucking acquainted with it Mm -hmm. so let's just make it work all those like legal fees and stuff (laughs) right like you could have just kept all your stuff together right if you had just split rooms and been like you go to your side i go to my side we do our own thing so that was an american family now i wanted to talk about how there's been more research lately on how cameras change people's behavior There was actually surveillance research on a college campus. They basically looked at crime rates around the campus. Mm -hmm. And they picked the part of the campus where more people reported having their bikes stolen. Mm -hmm. And they put up signs that said, we are watching with like eyes on it. They didn't do anything else. People stopped doing a lot of the shit that they were doing there. Yeah. However, (laughs) they did kind of migrate their criminal activities other places. But but it just kind of shows that when humans think that someone's watching them, their behavior changes. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be an actual human. It's just the suggestion that someone's watching you changes everything. Uh Obviously, this can be beneficial. Mm -hmm. But in the context of someone family vlogging and perhaps daily vlogging, Mm -hmm. I can see how that would be very confining and especially for a child to to not feel able to make mistakes. That's too much. A lot of research suggests that a lack of privacy really negatively impacts children Mm -hmm. and it negatively impacts their ability to to set and maintain boundaries around appropriate behavior. Hmm. I have a researcher from South Africa. He said, and I quote, Communities and families that fail to provide adequate living space for the maintenance of children's personal privacy could be violating children's rights to normal human development, and that lack of protection is tantamount to violence against children. Wow. So there are a lot of people who are trying to make it so that children do have a right to privacy because this kind of intense pressure and lack of privacy can lead to conduct disorders, drug abuse, promiscuity. It's disruptive. To children's development. They have to be allowed to have time where they're not viewed, where people aren't constantly watching them to see if they fuck up. And yeah. if you have a camera on you all the time, you lose your ability to form appropriate boundaries. And mm-hmm. figuring out what space is mine and what space is yours is a really big boundary. Yeah. So I'm not saying that like people who live in a one bedroom house with their kid because it's what they can afford are violent against their children mm-hmm. because they don't have privacy. Like, that's not quite the same yeah, not thing the same as, thing. like, purposely 
keeping your child from having privacy. Mm-hmm. You do the best you can. Yeah. UNICEF released a guide to children's online privacy. And a lot of the things that they say is just like children have a right to privacy. They have a right to freedom of expression. They have a right to not be subjected to attacks on their reputation. Mm-hmm. They have a right to say yes or no to how their images are used online. They have a right to tell people that they can't use their image. And a lot of the family vloggers do not respect their children saying no. There's this vlog family called Eight Passengers, mm-hmm. where the teenagers will regularly say, Mom, can you not film this? Can wow. we not have this on camera? And she doesn't respect it at all. Wow. Like, she will keep filming. And there very well could be some times where she does respect those wishes. It could be that, like, anything that ends up online is just, like, a one-off. But the fact that she is so bold as to listen to her children say, Mom, can we not do this on camera? Yeah, and include that in the video. And include that in the video as though she doesn't realize that that is a direct violation of consent. Mm -hmm. Like this woman has also, you know, had her son sleeping on the floor for seven months for pulling pranks on his younger sibling. What? Yeah, she had him. uh, She did not give him a bedroom. He was either sleeping on the floor or on a beanbag, something like that. Okay, so the pranks are fucked up, but they're totally normal. He told his youngest brother that he like woke him up at four in the morning. He said, get up. We're going to Disneyland. You got to pack real quick. And that's fucked up to do to like an eight year old. (laughs) Yeah, to me. But also it's like a that's just like really shitty big brother shit. Uh Uh-huh. Not great. Shouldn't have done it. But also disappointing. The the punishment does not fit the crime. Yeah, Um, seven months, no room. What kind of things did people comment on that? They were like, Are you fucking kidding me? And she's like, Look, if you're judging my parenting, then you probably need to look at your own. Like complete lack of insight. Like, right, I am looking at my own and I'd never do shit like that. (laughs) Two of her youngest were like play wrestling and they were getting a little aggressive. So they they definitely should have stopped, you know, just for protecting themselves. You don't want them to like potentially really injure each other. She was like, that looks really bad. It looks like I'm letting you beat him up. If you don't stop, you're not going to eat dinner. And it's like, these are two very young children. Yeah. You don't take food away from your child ever. That is a right. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah, that's not cool. Like sometimes I'll say you'll go to bed without stories. Yeah, that's a normal, like that's an extra. Yeah. Like that is a privilege. This is a thing that I give you that's extra on top of fulfilling your needs. Yeah. And I think the other thing that people don't really realize is that when it comes to abuse against children, There's more than just physical and sexual and emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. There is also the issue of emotional neglect where you just don't care. Yeah, I was just reading about it. Maybe that was you who posted something about it, an article. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I I read that article. And that is actually just as damaging as a child who's been hit all their life. Yeah. And I was reading it. I'm like, did this happen to me? And then I read like the traits that you'll have now. I was like, nah, I'm eh, fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. They, they treat their children like possessions. Like I birthed you. I can yeah. film you whenever I want. Yeah. I can put whatever I want online. And mm-hmm. you have no right to say no because you're under my roof. Such a fucked up mentality. Like mm-hmm. you have a human in your, in your house. Mm-hmm. And they're like their own person. Yeah. That's why right when Nori started wanting to wear the clothes she wanted to wear, even though I thought they were totally silly and like terrible, I was like, okay. What does it fucking matter? Yeah, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the bitch, Micah Stauffer and Jim Stauffer, because he has been noticeably absent from the critique of Hmm. the handling of quote unquote rehoming. Yeah, didn't she say something like, he's always staring at my husband when he's eating? Yeah, and that drives him crazy. Yeah, I can understand. That would be a little bit frustrating. But he's also an adopted child with autism where he probably did not get as much access to food as he needed. Yeah, or something. I don't know. That's not uncommon also for kids. It's not uncommon for kids from adoptive or abusive scenarios to control of their food and to like really be panicked about having food because it's it's the one thing that you really can't live without. It's yeah. and for children, it's also if you don't have a stable parent, it can be a comfort 
too. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about how all of this started with Bumblebee. Okay. Micah was actually a nurse before this. And I, I believe she was. A, she said that she was an oncology nurse. She worked at Mercy Franciscan Hospital in Ohio, and she was actually accused of assaulting a pregnant coworker. What? And yeah. <laughs> And who knows, this pregnant coworker could have just been like fucking with her endlessly and finally she had it. Yeah. But I also think that it kind of shows another lack of insight where she's not actually considering like, you know, it doesn't actually matter if she's instigating a conflict. Is that what people say that she was instigating conflict? People have suggested it. It's Mm. hard to know because Micah actually hasn't given her side at all. The person that she had the altercation with did actually talk about it and she was like she was always messing with me so i said something to her and she pushed a big metal cart into my stomach damn and it's hard to know like did she just like tap her Mm -hmm. or did she like really fucking go for it yeah but either way it's deeply unacceptable behavior Mm mm-hmm there is a like previous neighbor of Micah and Jim that said something to the effect of Micah was only interested in doing the family vlogging when she saw how much money people could make doing it mm-hmm. and that her personality pre-vlog does not match with her personality on her vlog. So apparently she was super manipulative, very narcissistic, just like mean spirited. Once she got into this like mommy vlogging sphere, she became like very like... My kiddos. And would she even act like that to her neighbor? She would put on the voice when she wanted something, apparently. But in general, she was just like super self-absorbed and kind of shitty <laughs> based on what the neighbor said. And again, who knows? When people, when people have something that they've done wrong come out, there will be people who file in to be like, and I, I also knew them and they did this. It's impossible to figure out, like, what's real and what's just put upon. But because there are enough allegations of her being fake Mm -hmm. from, like, other fans and stuff like that. Yeah. Fans who have met her have said that while she was talking to them, she was like, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. It's so great to meet you. I'm glad you love the videos with me and my kiddos. She says kiddos all the time. It drives me fucking insane. (laughs) Just say kids. God. So she's not religious at all. She plays up like a religious aspect, like God softened our heart to take in a special needs child from China. Apparently, she's not ever been super religious before any of this. And to be fair, she could have very well changed her ways and and decided that she wanted to be ultra Christian and conservative. But I fucking doubt it. Jesus. Right. Live, laugh, pray. (laughs) (laughs) But fans have said that, you know, she's been saccharine sweet to them. And then when they're out of earshot and she thinks that they are not watching her anymore, she'll be fucking mean to Jim and like demeaning. I believe the neighbor's story because there are enough people who were previous fans and who have evidence that they were fans. Yeah. That have come forward and said like she's fake. She had started a YouTube with I think it was like tutorials about cleaning and house and family and stuff, but it never really got big until she started doing the vlogs about adopting. I'm going to call him H. I don't feel like his name ever should have been publicized. So yeah. we'll call him H. Okay. Her channel did not take off until she started doing that type of content. So let's talk about family vlogging as a business, as this big business. So creators on YouTube's main platform typically earn between 1000 and 5000 in ad revenue per 1 million views on their videos. And it is actually kind of hard to get 1 million views. So, uh, for example, I don't have a big channel at all. Uh, yeah. For a while, I was getting around $100 every like two months or so yeah. from Google. And you, you make it via AdSense. So if someone watches yeah. your video for at least 30 seconds, they'll probably see uh, a pre-roll or like if they watch it for longer, they'll see a mid-roll ad and you can put however many ads you want in. So yeah. if you have a long video, you can put a lot of fucking ads in there and collect yourself some AdSense. You get paid for every ad. Yeah, you get paid a little bit for every ad. And it's what like What if people pennies. press stick, skip ad? I actually, I think they have to watch a certain amount of the ad to get hmm. the AdSense revenue. I always skip that shit. Like, nope. I have ad block on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible. YouTube has nearly 2 billion monthly users, and it is the second most popular website in the world behind Google. 
Google owns YouTube. Shea Butler of the popular family vlog channel, The Shaytards. Sorry, that's a fucking awful the name. The Shaytards? No. That sure is what they call themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. It's horrible. Like, why would you do that on purpose? <laughs> I don't know. Are you fucking stupid? But whatever. They got to stick with it now because it's their branding. Anyway, <laughs> he said, what once helped pay for groceries and utility bills had now turned into our main source of income. Once we started the daily vlogs, our viewers and pay immediately tripled. It was amazing. I was now making more money than I had ever made doing something that I actually loved doing. And that's wow. kind of what people go in it for. And, you know, if you are a reasonably balanced human being, maybe you can make that work for you. I think when you start to be pushed to vlog more and more and more, your behavior does change. Not for the yeah. better. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to have a lot of people around you being like, no, that's not okay. And you have to be willing to listen to that. And so many people, when they become like YouTube famous, do not listen to critique at all. Mm. Because they're receiving so much critique on a regular basis that yeah. they, they can't process it. You start to shut down. So the other problem with any of this, and it's really hard to prove, when you vlog your pregnancy or your birth or in addition to your family, your vlog views increase dramatically. So there yeah. is some suggestion that people sometimes fake pregnancies and miscarriages. Oh, and then have a miscarriage. Yeah, there was like a meme that's like, like we didn't want another kid, but she did it for the Instagram likes or like some shit like that. I am so serious. That <laughs> is a real thing. It's hard to say like you're having babies for your views because oh, you sure don't people you don't are. ever want to say that. But like it's compelling to say that I'm sure some people that might not be the only thing that they consider upon like expanding their family. But that's a big consideration. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah. considering how manipulative Micah is as a person. Well, don't they have a ton of kids? They now have four And children. were any of them born while vlogging? Um, One of them was for sure. Yeah. I don't think the others were. The biggest demographic for family channels is going to be like young women or yeah. women who already have families. Yeah. That all makes sense. But a very large demographic for a lot of family vloggers is children. Yeah. Children love to watch families interact with each other because they love to see what other people do. It makes mm -hmm. sense. We all love to see what other people do or like yeah. what's normal for other people. Yeah. But the problem with this is that so many family vloggers start off innocently enough and then become very consumeristic, prank driven. Uh, they exhibit like really inappropriate behavior and put it online. I've actually had to have conversations with Ripley because she she likes to pull pranks. We've had to teach her the difference. Like, I know that you see pranks online, but that's not a prank. That's mean spirited. Yeah, that, that could hurt somebody. Yeah. Like there's a difference between a prank and just being cruel. Yeah. And a lot of these family vlog situations end up getting kind of like either sort of abusive or like outwardly, like very abusive. Wow. The early stages of adopting H, Micah and Jim's son. And I keep saying Micah and directing it at her because she was the person who directly talked about his adoption process, about him. She was really the main blogger for the family. Yeah. And Jim has an, a different channel that focuses on like detailing cars. It's very much cleaning porn. Like you watch a disgusting car get sparkling clean yeah. and you're like, wow, <laughs> I didn't know that could happen. <laughs> but uh, she actually went on some different like com community like boards and stuff like that or like Facebook groups and said things to the effect of, what kind of special needs would you consider doable for the average family that most people would think of as difficult? Interesting. She also suggested that she was looking to adopt a little boy from China. And then they also wanted to adopt a child from Africa, which I, I don't have a problem with people adopting at all. And sometimes yeah. you find a child that fits with your family and they are not the same race. But when you talk about adopting multiple children from different countries mm -hmm. who don't speak your language, who could find people to care for them in their own country. Yeah. Although it I, is easier to get a child from another country, isn't it? Than it is. No. Really? No. Oh, wow. Because people like Americans have been collecting children. <laughs> it's more of a like 
pay to play kind of situation. Yeah. But they've made it like a lot of countries have made it significantly harder for Americans to adopt children from overseas. Wow. Because of the situations that have happened. Because yeah. like white women like collecting brown babies. It's fucking weird. It's weird, yeah. And also like there are so many children in America who need to be adopted. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe this lady like actually asked people, like, what is the what's the eat like what looks hard but isn't hard? <laughs> this so is like weird. Bonkers fucked up. And like honestly, that to me suggests that she really wanted a child to show off on YouTube. She yeah. wanted to look like a fucking white savior. Yeah. It's gross. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you even say that? If you were wanting to adopt a special needs, you would say, what do you think would be possible for us? Like, this is our background. This yeah. is how many children we have. Yeah. What do you think about this diagnosis? Yeah. Who has children that fit this? Yeah. Like, that makes sense to me. Because you want to know what you're in for. Totally. And you don't want to take a child on if you can't care for them. Mm-hmm. But the way that she said it was just so nasty. It's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, it's weird. So she heavily publicized his adoption process. She showed photos of him before he was adopted. Yeah. She said where he was located. She said his diagnoses because he has many diagnoses. He is a special needs child with autism. And I think he had strokes in utero. She actually had a fundraiser to pay for the adoption. So she was monetizing videos about him before she even adopted him. Oh, my God. And then she had a fundraiser where people could pay $5 a person. And I actually couldn't find any information on how many donations they received. But at the very minimum to put together this like thousand piece puzzle that she had made of him, it would have been $5,000. Yeah. So she was using him to pay for him. That's weird. Those people were probably so pissed too. Like, damn it. I, you know. Oh my God. And so many people who have adopted children from China have said like, this is so damaging. Like the Chinese government is not going to let people adopt from there anymore. This is not the first time that somebody's pulled this shit. Wow. That's so sad. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the like stuff that children from orphanages specifically, but from any adoption that they can experience. There is some suggestion to say that children who experience trauma uh, when they're very young, too young to remember, will still carry PTSD through their life. And there is some suggestion that they can experience that PTSD even just being removed from their mother immediately after birth because of the idea that like they hear your voice in utero, they smell you, they're like they're experiencing you in the most intimate possible way by growing inside you. And then they're ripped from everything that they've known for however long they've been in your womb. So this is kind of like a a tricky thing because a lot of people are like, ah, fuck you. But then like there is some suggestion that children do kind of imprint very early for lack of a better term. So PTSD is a big one. Along with PTSD, there can be control issues. So uh, we talked about food control. There can be attachment disorders. And that's what H was experiencing a lot of. He just could not attach to people, specifically women. He had a very hard time. He attached very strongly to Jim, the husband. And Micah had to work a lot harder for it because he actually had a person in China that he thought of as like a, a maternal figure. Yeah. So he was essentially ripped from that maternal figure right off the bat. Yeah, hyperarousal is another one where like everything is just too much all the time. Yeah. There's also like the rocking. I don't know if you've ever seen children from... Like how elephants do that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a self-soothing mechanism. And what happens in like, especially overworked orphanages, they do not have enough staff to properly nurture all of the children. It's not going to happen. They usually will have like one or two people per 30 infants or toddlers. Mm, Yeah. That's impossible. That does not work. So the children don't get one-on-one time. And a lot of times, if they are, you know, very, very young, you don't want to just leave them wandering around wherever. So they will keep them in cots. The older ones will be sat on a potty for like hours at a time. So they start to rock to self-soothe. Some of them will um, self-injure also, like um, banging heads against walls is a big thing. Or like scratching themselves, like 
putting their hands in their mouth or like biting themselves. There's a lot that comes with adopting a child, especially one that's older and has formed more response to trauma. Yeah. And it bears stating that Michael was actually warned about all of this. She got his diagnosis yeah. ahead of time. She went to several doctors, one of whom directly told her, I don't think this is a good fit for you. Yeah. This, this little guy needs a lot. I don't think you're ready. Yeah. And she was like, so she said she had already decided on him. She was already ready. He's not returnable. In her mind, they could get through anything. Her doctor specifically said, this kid needs more than you're ready to give. Yeah. And she did it anyway. Like I said, she had to work for her connection with him. And there are lots of like she's removed every all evidence of him ever existing in their home, essentially. Um, so no more Instagram photos, no more like videos. Everything has been removed. All evidence of him has been scrubbed. She says that she did that to protect his privacy, which I think is super convenient considering that she never did it before. But whatever. <sighs> yeah. Wasn't she taping his his hand? Like keep him from sucking? Oh, OK. Yeah. Oh, my God. The hypocrisy. I think, you know, you hear this a lot. And in her tone, when she talked about her lack of connection with him, mm -hmm. it was very sharp. It wasn't just like hurt. Like, I didn't expect it to be this hard. I kind of thought that we would bond earlier. Yeah. Like, it was like, you know, he just didn't bond with me like he bonded with Jim. Like, he really loved Jim, like, right off the bat. And that's who he would go to for comfort. And that was really hard for me. Okay, bitch. It's not about you. My dude. Yeah. Anyone would have told you that that was going to happen. You don't get a choice in the matter. Your child might not bond with you for years. Yeah. They have to know that you are there and you're always going to be there before they bond with you. And when they do, it's a big fucking deal. Yeah. And he clearly bonded with her after a while. Like, he yeah. would reach for her when he was crying. He would want hugs. He would want kisses. He relied on her. He loved her. Yeah. It probably wasn't as easy as she expected, but he definitely had already bonded with her in the way that he could, which is mm -hmm. all you can expect. Yeah. To be fair, this kid had a lot of issues that they were trying to deal with, and it's hard to know what to do. Yeah. If you have never dealt with anything like this before with children, then... Mm -hmm. It's going to be really challenging to figure out, like, how do I get him to stop hoarding food? How do I get him to stop, like, panicking if I take him out of the kitchen? How do I get him to stop, like, sucking his thumb? But the yeah. problem here is that instead of doing things that all people agree are good options, like, honestly, is it going to hurt him to suck his thumb? Who cares? Like, his teeth are probably going to be a little jacked, but it's something that soothes him. You can't take everything away from him. And a lot yeah. of people say with the, the food hoarding, let them carry around food with them all the time. Yeah. Just let them have food. You will always have food. Food is never going to go away for you. You're always going to yeah. be taken care of. You can carry around this thing of cereal. Yeah, right. That's yours. Like, just have a fanny pack full of snacks. Fuck yeah, it. right. Like, this is always yours. You're always going to have this. And that yeah. eventually you don't have to do that anymore because they understand, like, I'm always going to have food. Yeah. But instead of doing it the nice way, she would, like... She was just cruel. What did she do she with was, the food? She would just kind of be mean about it. Like, you can't have another one. You already ate. And she, like, you would hear in her tone, she would just get sharp. I wish I could find those videos. They're just off-putting. Yeah. Where you're just like, this little guy thinks that he will not be able to eat. Do you understand? It's not just, yeah. I want to eat all day because I'm bored. Because I yeah. have two that do that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and that's fucking annoying where you're like, girls. You have to understand the difference between hungry and bored because you're not always hungry. Right? I know. <laughs> but like this is a child who has never had stable food. You have to understand that and you have to be willing to work with it. And mm -hmm. honestly, if it gets a little chunky from eating, yeah, like, it's going to be fine. What does it right? matter? Wasn't he be super gentle young with too? Him. Like three or something? They got him when he was, I think he was either two or almost two. Which yeah, is like so, the hardest age in general. Jeez. Yeah, and he's a little boy, so of course he was a little, like, aggressive as well. Like, yeah. there's just a lot that comes with having a toddler, and uh -huh. he was so sweet. So they basically didn't allow him to be around food like he should have been allowed to, to kind of get rid of that idea that he wasn't, he wasn't ever going to yeah. be hungry anymore. And the other thing that they did, and this is the part that bothers me the most, is like the thumb sucking thing. They taped his thumb so that he couldn't know, suck it. So bad. What fucking bothers me about that is she so had bad. a video with 
I think it was her daughter sucking her thumb. And she said, yeah, I know she's going to get bigger, but I hope this never ends. Like, oh, my God. There was a lot of differences in the way that she treated her biological children versus her adopted son. Yeah, I'm sure part of it came from resentment of him not loving her the most. Absolutely. The other thing that they did, which a lot of people have issues with, I actually understand this because he was mentally younger and he needed time to kind of catch up a little bit. They would put him to bed early and actually stay up with the other children and have time with them because H required just a lot of care. And when you have a child that requires a lot of care, a lot of the other children will be neglected. And again, there's that emotional neglect where like they're not having their needs met. And it doesn't matter if it's for a good reason. They're still not having their needs met. So that part I actually understand. I get that too. I mean, even with my two kids, I put Mateo to bed earlier, like maybe once or twice a week to have special time with Nori because I pay more attention to him all day long. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, okay, tonight you get to stay up. Like, we're going to have, like, girls night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's not about, like, not giving him love. It's about giving her love, too. Right. It's about having having all of the kids have their needs met. So in the context of everything else, I can see where that, like, bothers people. But that is actually one of the things that I understand. Because their children, like, if they do have to watch him to that degree, and they do have to participate in his care to a much higher degree than any of their other children... Their other children will be neglected to some degree. There's mm-hmm. no helping it. The other thing that people mention is that Micah had a lot of tension in, va- in family vlogs and she highlighted his meltdowns. Not every time. She kept him out of vlogs largely because he didn't fit the picture perfect family mold. Yeah. When he had meltdowns, she would talk about it and she sounded angry. When something is stressful, you're going to react in anger to some degree. I get that. Yeah. But to paint this picture-perfect image and then to treat your adopted son with such hostility. Yeah. Yeah, Even if it's not directly at him, it's fucked up. It's so fucked up. There's this one video of her um, talking to him and he's weeping. He's sobbing. And she said, you do not bite. No, we do not bite. And that's how she talks. It's so fucking obnoxious. But he's <laughs> weeping and he's asking her for squeezes and he's reaching for her because she's angry. And all yeah. he wants is to have his mommy hold him. And she doesn't do it until she's said that on camera a few times. It's just breathtakingly cruel. Like yeah. it makes it makes me so fucking sad. Yeah. I think what's hard hard about it for me is I'm like, I'm glad he's not with you anymore. Because I hope that he has found someone that will love him the way that he deserves to be loved. Totally. Totally. But at the same time, it's like, you just tore that little boy apart. Will he ever be the same? No, I mean, it's like trauma again, being taken away from somebody that was supposed to be secure again. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. think about her children, too. They had their brother taken. Yeah. Like, all of the children suffer for this. All of yeah. them. Yeah, I'm curious and, how the kids feel about it or felt about it. I mean, of it. course she's not going to ask. So let's talk about how little rights children have in reality television or entertainment. Have you ever heard of Coogan's Law? No, never. So in uh, 1939, a bill was enacted that would basically give protections to children in entertainment. And it was Uh, named after Jackie Coogan, who worked with um, Charlie Chaplin. He starred in a lot of movies. He made about $4 million. And that's a crazy amount for the 1920s. And he was told that money was being put away for him for when he turned 21. And when he turned 21, his mom and his stepdad said, no, you get none. Anything that you made as a child belongs to us. You don't have rights to it. After that, people were like, this is really fucked up. Like, we can't have children doing unpaid labor, making their families rich and not getting anything. Yeah. Now, the law is required to protect their education, to protect their recreation, to protect them on set. There were no protections. Now, in movies, they have to get work permits. The state has to agree to it. There has to be 15% of their income set aside in a trust that nobody can touch but the child when they're, like, of age. 
And the cast and crew has to make sure that they're not exposed to inappropriate, like, sex and violence. There are now protections for children in entertainment, but those protections do not extend to children in reality television because the assumption is that their lives don't change, that they Mm. are not learning material. They're not, like, they, they still are expected to go to school. And if their parents don't make them, it's not the production company's fault. It's the parents. Totally. Yeah, but it's like the exposure and like being in the public eye, that's a problem, you know? There's that. And there's that people use the lack of protections for children in reality television. And they go to the most permissive states to film reality series so that they can work the children to death. Wow. Yeah. So there's actually a story about um, a production company asking someone to film in Tennessee. And the guy was like, why? And they said, because we like there are no protections for kids there. We can keep them up working until two or four. Oh, my God. John Goslin of John and Kate plus eight. Don't know if you remember them. I sure do. He said, why is NASCAR one of the most watched sports in America? They're looking for the wreck. If people didn't want to see reality shows with kids, there wouldn't be a market for it. And he actually took his kids out of the reality thing because he saw that they were being damaged by it. So he fought to have his kids removed from contract. And that's what ended their series. It's totally true about NASCAR, though. Yeah. You don't want to see them race. You want the potential of like severe injury. Yeah, like I'd never seen car races or anything before, but I got this like weird gig to be an umbrella girl. And that's like where you hold an umbrella over the drivers so they don't get hot while they're waiting for the race to start. It's true. Like they almost crash and it's like crazy. Yeah, you're like inches away from disaster at any moment. And I think that's a lot of what happens with children, too. Like you want to see the drama. You don't want to see children living happy lives. Yeah, I do. But like that's not entertainment not really entertainment yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) like you want to see parents struggle and you want to see kids get in trouble and and all of that shit you know that's really Mm -hmm. dangerous and that's kind of the reason that that you know family vloggers like daddy of five were so successful because people didn't care that the children were being tormented and it has to be said also that a lot of people lobby against children in reality television having more rights and having money put away from them or put away for them. Yeah. Like they, they're very strongly against it. People in production companies are against it. And it's, yeah, California has the strongest laws, but there are states that have basically no, no restrictions on what you can do with uh, filming children, reality stars. Even Honey Boo Boo said that she, it, children don't belong in reality television. Yeah, she said, I would God. do it again, but I don't think any nine-year-old belongs in this situation. Yeah. Honey boo-boo. I haven't thought about her in, like, a long time. Well, I'm making you think about her now. So there are a lot of former child stars that are trying to stand up for children in family vlogging and in YouTube because children in family vlogging and YouTube have no protections either. Yeah. And Sheila James Cool, which is, I guess she was a former child star... She said, I don't care if it's simply unboxing presents. That's work. It's not play if you're making money off of it. It's definitely time to take a look at the ways parents or other adults are making money off the performance or work of minors. The law needs to be amended to catch up with this technology. So a lot of people are really, really, really trying to to keep this shit going. They're like... Yeah. You know, my kids aren't working. If they don't want to do it, they don't have to, except for when they have to. Like, but if we're like, if we've been sponsored, which a lot of these people are sponsored in almost every video, it's like, if we're sponsored, then they have to. And they know that that's like, that's one that they can't say no to. It's like, so there is a story actually of a woman who she had several adopted and foster children. And she had a couple of, um, I think she had two or three biological children. And she actually ended up being charged with extreme abuse of them. And they reported that if they forgot their lines, they would get beat. There was like some of the worst child abuse shit you can ever think of. And this was for, she had a YouTube channel? She had a YouTube channel where they did skits. And it was very popular. She had 700,000 followers at one time. She's making a lot of money. Fucking nuts. It was called Fantastic Adventures. She actually ended up uh, dying before she was able to stand trial, I believe. Wow. 
Yeah, but she was like 100% guilty. She was like beating her children. She actually, she pepper sprayed the genitals of one of her children. What? Oh my God. Can you fucking imagine? That's really weird. It's like cruel and unusual. And she like, she would withhold food from them. She would keep them from sleeping. The reason that uh, anyone found out about it is because I think her biological daughter saw them and was like, what the fuck? She was like, these wow. kids so are So she was doing this to adopted and foster children? I think so. She wasn't doing it to her biological yeah. children. No, it was uh, five of her seven adopted children were in this like production, and they range from six to 15 years old. Actually, children watching content on YouTube have more protections than children who perform content for YouTube. Yeah. Because there are a lot of like privacy laws for children viewing content. Mm-hmm. There are pretty much none for children filming it because they assume that the parents must have their children's best interests in heart and must be paying attention. You know what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me in case, in case you didn't know the expression. (laughs) Micah has said that the reason she rehomed her son is because he had some dangerous behavioral issues towards her other children. Like I personally get how that would be scary because you never want to put your children in a situation where they could be harmed or they could harm somebody else. But he's also four and he has autism. Yeah. So you get help. She just made a big mistake. I mean, I think she did the perfect thing. I think he needed to be with someone else because she's awful. Yeah. Like not trying to like sympathize with her at all. Like I think she's an idiot. Mm -hmm. But like trying to like intentionally adopt like difficult child. I think it's a disservice to like the child that she adopted, obviously, but also to her own kids. Yeah. You know, and her own family. Just kind of like she's an idiot. She's a total fucking idiot. And, and like heartless and selfish. And you're going to hate her weird. even more when you realize the scenario around which she rehomed him. So the family had been planning a trip to Bali and they started packing and they packed him up to stay with a temporary foster home. And then they went to Bali without him. And then he was rehomed. Oh, that's so bad. So he was with the temporary foster home. I am not entirely sure if they explained to him that he was going to be with a new family and that was going to be a permanent situation before they went to Bali and took all of their Instagram photos with their perfect little family. Oh, my God. Like, I couldn't even imagine going on a vacation. And like, that just shows how that she didn't give a shit at all. Like, they're like, okay, like, goodbye. I think if I had to rehome a child because they were physically dangerous to one of my other children or all of my other children, I would not be mm-hmm. able to like live with myself if I left the country and just enjoyed a fucking vacation. Like, what Me the neither. fuck? Yeah. So this is when fans actually noticed that he was missing and they started making a lot of comments. And she actually didn't say anything yeah. about rehoming him until I think at least a month later. Because people were wondering where he went. Because people were super fucking committed to him. I don't know what the fuck she was thinking. Because I would have personally stopped vlogging altogether. But she kept going. Kept making vlogs. I mean, that just shows how she just didn't see him as a human being. Like he was an accessory or like a a prop. So this is when about a month later is when they made the infamous white apology video. It's her and her husband in white shirts on a white bed with white walls, which is the most fucked up, eared way of filming an apology video. It seemed very like, it seemed over the top dramatic. And I can get like crying yeah. if you have to explain something like that. And But she reframed it as her loss every time. She said he wanted this. He expressed it very clearly. He was nonverbal. B- bullshit, he expressed it very clearly. What kind of four-year-old even understands that that's something that is an option? Right. Like, and even if he said, I want to live with someone else, you would say, you're four. When you're 16, 18, if you want to live somewhere else, that's fine. We'll make that decision then. Until then, you belong with your family. She's like, oh my God, great. I'm so glad you brought it up because I didn't want, (laughs) I didn't want to Because I just didn't want you anymore. I have a new baby. Oh, by the way, she had a new baby in all of this. A biological child. What a bitch. So she constantly reframed it as like my loss. 
She constantly said, I feel horrible. She constantly said, you know, people are so cruel to us. They don't know what we've been through. It's like, I can't even roll my eyes like enough. So luckily, her backlash was immediate. People like all of her sponsors pulled and she had big sponsorships. Like one of her sponsorships was Dabletics, Playtex. She had like some serious fucking money coming through. They live in like a luxurious fucking mansion in Ohio. And granted, it's in Ohio, so it's probably still pretty cheap. Still, like it's a fucking mansion. It's like luxurious. She lives in such luxury. And yet she balked at the price of his speech therapy and said that she wasn't going to do the $100 an hour speech therapist because too much. You have money. You probably yeah. have insurance that you're paying for. Right? Like, don't they have insurance? You make so much fucking money. You've monetized every aspect of this child's life. You can't afford to pay for his fucking speech therapy. You can't part <sighs> with the money, but you can buy an expensive trip to Bali. It's super gross. I'm glad that it all blew up in her face and she lost all her sponsorships and looks like an idiot. Her husband has almost hit a million. Pretty much nothing has happened. A couple of people who were previously working with him have pulled out, but generally speaking, he has not had much repercussion at all. Yeah. So he is now like still making as much money as he ever was. He didn't have to pay. Yeah. But because she monetized the videos Mm -hmm. for H, she's Mm -hmm. fucked. Yeah. In that apology video, by the way, she said, we didn't know the extent of his problems. It's like, yes, you fucking did. You yeah, knew. you just didn't want to hear it. Yeah, you just didn't want to hear it. He's not yeah. returnable. Well, that's like when people, I mean, okay, this is going to sound crass because I'm talking about animals. Oh, well, this cat can't be around kids. And you know right. what I mean? It's like, Meh, whatever. <laughs> then get the cat and then, But here's you know. the deal. It's two sides of the same coin. It's persons who cannot make choices in their own life being manipulated without people thinking, oh, this is fucked up. It's fucked up to take a social creature, to have the social creature in a home for however long the social creature gets used to a certain pack Mm -hmm. and then you completely remove it. It's the same kind of fucked up. And I get that people like balk at the idea of like, oh, but that's an animal. We use the term rehome for animals. It's like that's still fucked up. It's fucked up that people treat any living being like this, like they're disposable. Mm -hmm. A dog gets old and they're not cute anymore. So you give them to a shelter. Yeah, I guess that happens to bunnies a lot. Yeah, because people think bunnies are easy pets. They're not. Yeah. And they get them like for Easter. Like we have bunnies right now. Or like they get baby chicks. Like baby Uh chicks are not pets that will turn into a full-grown chicken. And chickens are not cute. They actually are cute. I kind of like chickens. I don't know. Although I was attacked by chickens. So for a long time, I was like, you know what? They can go fuck themselves. I'm not interested. (laughs) That's how I feel about geese. I'm like, fuck off, goose. They're aggressive. They are aggressive. They want to take your food. They desperately want to take your food. I actually, the only bird that I'm really scared of is seagulls because they're so mean. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And because they'll like peck at you while they try to take your sandwich. I did have a flock of <laughs> pigeons once in Chicago try to take my muffin, though. And I don't I, like pigeons at all. I love pigeons. I felt Ugh. so hurt by their actions. Like, I love you, though. Come on. Like, I have repeatedly tried to pet pigeons because I'm like, oh, it's staying still. Maybe I can get away with it right now. If you're a human being with thoughts and feelings, a pigeon has probably done you wrong. <laughs> We've all been there. You're lying to yourself if you haven't wanted to like reach down and pet a pigeon that's being real still. No. Maybe I can I'm do not it. Lying. I do not like birds. What? I like looking at them. Like Nori's been into bird watching. So and we get like some really cool ones in our yard. I don't like the sound of their wings. Like the sound it makes when they <laughs> open is like upsetting to me. <laughs> I love my birds, but they're all really aggressive about their feeders. Yeah. And you know the most aggressive? What? Hummingbirds. Uh-huh. They're, They're wild. so fucking mean. Yeah. They will fly around your head and like, <laughs> like, fuck off. I'm refilling. Get the fuck out of <laughs> Don't here. Rush me. Like they'll like tussle your hair and you're like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I love birds though. They're like dinosaurs. They're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> pets are not for rehoming unless you just really can't take care of them anymore. That's that's my thing. Don't get a pet if you want a prop. Or if you want yeah. something that's fun, because at some point it will not be fun all the time. Yeah, and definitely don't get a person as a pet. <laughs> yeah. Unless the person is over the age of 18 and can consent. I read an article like that was on my news app that was about a girl who has an OnlyFans where she pretends to be a dog. 
dude, I, the more we are forced to be inside, the more I'm like, maybe I should just like do some weird shit on camera for money. I feel you. Just berate <laughs> someone. Just be like, listen, you little fucking shit. You'd be good at that. Just like, like a really indirect humiliation. Yeah. Like being like mean to people. You should just make videos like where you yell. Yeah. Absolutely. This is my OnlyFans. If you want to be berated by a woman who's not directly talking about you, 15 bucks a month, I will yell at you and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I I can't get into like any form of children on YouTube anymore. It's just like, it's hard to know who has their children's interests at heart. Yeah, and who's pepper spraying them on their genitals. If there's one thing that I can leave anybody with is that don't pepper spray your children's genitals. Yeah. Time out for you if you even consider that. I mean, I guess that lady had a big time out because she died, but. (sighs) Right. I never want to say that somebody deserved to die, but like, gonna imply it. Thanks for joining us, you guys. We have been I Read a Thing. You can find us next week. Will be our last episode of this season. But generally speaking, we release on Fridays. We're still gonna be doing like uh, short episodes every couple of weeks, but we're not gonna do like full on deep dives. We love you. You should visit us on iReadAThing.com and you should also subscribe and leave us comments on our Apple podcast mm-hmm. page which you can find mostly on- just like you guys are great like I would love to be in your OnlyFans account um, <laughs> please I'm, yell at me I have so much money to give you you could just give us money without even the OnlyFans you can do whatever babe we love you <laughs> we would never pepper spray your genitals unless you asked us too nicely <laughs> alright you guys Thanks so much for visiting with us. Bye.